Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right, so today is June 12, 2015, and this is AC training number one. And AC, of course, is just short for animal communication, and that's uh, a common shorthand uh, abbreviation in the animal communication world, so you'll probably start to see that wherever you look from here on out. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, definitely welcome. I'm very glad that you're here, Ellen. This is going to be lots of fun. Um, you're already energetically ready. I can so sense that, and I know you're aware of that too. Self-awareness is a wonderful thing. So people always take these classes at the most right time. The reason you're showing up now is because, of course, something within you, your soul, is inspiring you to learn this at this time, hence why you're so drawn to it. So you are as prepared as you possibly could be. Thank you. Thank you. That's encouraging. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) All right. So we're going to begin with just a very brief, you know, couple-minute guided meditation. I want us to formally welcome the animals officially who will be working with us both directly and indirectly now and in the days ahead. So let's go ahead and get ourselves nice and centered. So with our eyes closed, both of us, taking in a nice deep breath, As you exhale, I want you to just drop down into your heart space. In other words, bring your awareness from your mind or your brain where we humans tend to, more often than not, operate from in a a daily waking basis and bring your awareness down like an elevator to rest in your heart space. Our whole body actually is a satellite, if you will, for receiving, perceiving, and knowing intuitive information, whether it be from the animals or from nature or, you know, other spiritual beings who are here to assist us. But if we bring our awareness down into our heart, it's kind of like I think of it like the core or the center part of where we are, and it reminds us of our love connection and divine connection to all of life. So that's why I tend to bring us down to that location. So from that beautiful place of your own heart space, I want you to feel your own energy within your body, your own aliveness, Some call it spirit or soul. Whatever label you prefer to use, just feel that life force within you. And allow some of that life force to begin to radiate down towards your feet and to produce tendrils of beautiful white light, which emanates from your feet, enters the floorboards of your home, enters the earth's crust, and with total ease navigates its way down to the core of the earth whereupon you can visualize having these white tendrils of light, kind of akin to tree roots, reaching around gently to hug the core of the earth, gently tethering us in place. We want to remain present and centered whenever we do intuitive work or we're working directly with the animals. And being in connection with the earth reminds us, since we are physically incarnated at this point in time, that we are one with all. And by being connected to the earth, it also reminds us that we want to be here in the present, here in the now, being centered. When I use the word present, everybody perhaps has their own definition of that. My definition is being in the present moment. It's not being in the past, and it's not thinking about the future. It's being in the here and now, because truly the past is already done and over with. The future has yet to come. So the present is all there is. Being centered to me and my definition simply means resting within the core of your being, being within your body, not outside your body, not daydreaming and letting your thoughts wander here and there, but being present and centered so that you are in the most receptive place to receive intuitive information and to receive the support from the consciousness of the earth. Some beings refer to her as Gaia or, you know, Earth Mother. Uh, I've heard many different terms, but we want to remind ourselves she and I, she and we (laughs) are one along Mm -hmm. with the animals. 
So you can let go of the visualization of being tethered to the earth if you make it your intention because perhaps it feels right to you to remain connected to the earth now and in any future time you practice with the animals, then it will be so. And now let's formally invite forth the domestic animals and the wild animals that we will be communicating with both today and in the days ahead. We welcome those that walk on the land, those that fly through the air, those that burrow underground, swim in the seas, and those that are out of their bodies in spirit form at this time. We welcome and ask for the support of those divine beings who are most appropriate to be in service to us for our greatest and highest good and for the greatest and highest good of all beings everywhere. And taking another deep breath, I want you to imagine that you have a door there at your heart center that opens wide. And imagine sending some of your own energy or life force out like a beautiful white blood bubble to emerge in front of your heart space. And within that bubble, I want you to visualize a miniature version of you standing beside an animal of your choice. Maybe it's one you know or don't know. Just picture an animal. I want you to imagine that you are sitting back and watching this movie of you communicating with an animal. And you're just observing the ease and the flow of the dialogue. I'll allow you about 10 seconds to visualize that because when we think things are possible or believe things are possible, they truly are. So this is a movie of you doing this work with immense possibility. And now go ahead and ask the divine to allow that movie you just visualized to come to fruition, to come into being with the animals we work with today and in the weeks ahead. So this becomes a part of our everyday reality and no longer just a possibility. We give great thanks and allow that beautiful ball of white light to flow up towards the ceiling out into the atmosphere, into the stars, where it goes out of our reach and it is done, is done, it is done. So it be. Mm. All right, Ellen, go ahead and open up your eyes. Okay. And uh, I, I'm sure you're familiar with guided meditations. I believe you had shared that once with me before. Yes, very. Okay. Uh-huh. Great. So what I like to tell students is, you know, when doing animal communication work, if a guided meditation assists you personally in getting calm, centered, and in that state of peace, which is what we're seeking by getting centered and present, then by all means do that. I will perhaps do that next time if the energy reads for us to do that. Um, But other than that, from call three and on, I will allow you to do that on your own time before you get on the call if you feel that serves you. Um, There are people like where I am right now personally, I don't do too many guided meditations. I don't tend to do that before I get on a call with a person. What I will do instead, because I find at this stage of my life it serves me better, is just take a few deep breaths to get centered. But I like to expose that to you so you can see where you are right now and what you need. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So let's go ahead, and we're going to move right into that pointer's handout, which was a document I had attached to your email. Mm-hmm. This is put out by Penelope Smith, who's a well-known animal communicator if you travel these circles long enough. This is found in her book, Animal Talk. What she discovered back in the 1970s when she first started teaching masses of people to learn animal communication is that they didn't have the foundational understanding or belief system that she had that animals could talk and that there were, you know, you you want to always approach animals with 
on you know a space of honoring them and respecting them and not thinking them inferior compared to yourself she found at first it was quite baffling and like walking through mud to train the students to learn this when they didn't have these ideas already it's part of their foundation so she ended up channeling these bits of information, these A-pointers, so that she could give students at the beginning of their class that basic foundation of what she already knew, that she already had, because she remembered communicating with animals from the day of her birth. She's always been able to communicate, and no human has ever socialized her out of it. So she was kind of gifting them the basics of what she already knew so they could start off with a good footing. So this is why I offer this to you. So we're actually going to go through these pointers because they are so huge to really sit with. After each pointer, I'm going to uh, add my own thoughts and things I've learned over the years that I feel will help you. And if you have any questions of something that comes up, by all means, jump right in so that we can address that. Okay? Will do. Uh -huh. All right. So number one, more than any other factor, oh, are you there? I'm here. Sorry, I just shuffled my phone around. Okay. Number one, more than any other factor, your attitude towards animals influences how receptive you are to their communication and how willing they are to communicate with you. Respect and revere animals as fellow beings, different in physical form than you, but of the same spiritual essence and potential. If you approach animals with condescension, thinking they are inferior in intelligence, awareness, or substandard in any way, you limit your ability to perceive and understand them as they truly are. As you increasingly see and treat them as fellow intelligent beings, you allow them to express themselves more deeply and fully to you, and your relationship develops, matures, elevates, and expands. Focusing only on the biological aspect of an animal, while fascinating and wondrous in itself, can place you in the ruts of conventional notions and inhibit true seeing of the spiritual essence and wisdom behind the physical form. Admiring an animal's spiritual qualities, such as sincerity, trust, love, devotion, appreciation, loyalty, empathy, kindness, honor, honesty, patience, integrity, humility, joy, unselfishness, and wisdom, will help to transform your whole relationship, enhancing the two-way communication and understanding between you. Be humble and receptive and allow animals to teach you. So my thoughts on this, Ellen, is such that remember like when you were a child, when we were all children, we approached life with a very big-eyed sort of observant way. We were like mini owls taking everything in, paying attention to this animal, to that, you know, occurrence in nature, mm -hmm. to what our pe mm -hmm. you know, parents said around us. We took everything in, and we often took it in without judgment. As young children, we didn't start out life by judging. Our judgments were picked up by generally the people around us, and we started to judge our abilities or our skills or our awarenesses. You know, sometimes, as you mentioned in the past, you had, uh, you know, people would look at your intuitive abilities as a bit unusual or even scary. And that, in turn, makes us judge ourselves because somebody else is judging our skills or abilities or who we are, and then we judge ourselves. So we've got judgment upon judgment. I want to take you back to that time when you were that child before the judgments really set in place, before you started to allow them to sit like mud solidifying in your own energy field. There was a time when you just took everything in without judgment. That's the space we want to communicate with the animals from. We have no point of view. Imagine you have no point of view about them. You know nothing about that individual animal. We also want to let go of what we've learned from society's points of views about, for example, all pit bulls are this way. All Dobermans and German Shepherds are guard dogs. All Siamese cats are talkers. All thoroughbred horses are hot and run hot. Okay, we want to let go of those preconceived notions because if we have a belief or an idea that a certain breed or type of animal is a certain way, those judgments that we've placed upon that animal will serve as blocks that can make it challenging to receive accurate information about who that animal really is and what it is they're truly communicating to you. 
what I've discovered over the years is when people have these ideas or even fears around a certain breed of animal is that they block themselves from getting all the information. Oftentimes they'll get accurate pieces, but it's just pieces instead of the whole conversation or the whole download. So something I tell students to ask themselves is get real honest with yourself. Do you want to be an animal communicator who receives pieces, or are you willing to step outside what you think you know about a being, even your own animal friends at home when you practice with them, and be like, you know, I don't know who you are today. You tell me, who are you, and what do you want to share with me? If you're willing to enter that childlike space, then you'll receive everything from them. Beautiful. All right. Any questions? No, this is crystal clear. Okay. All right. The other thought here before we go on to number two is you want to let go of what you see animals doing behaviorally. We are not reading the body language, of course, in doing animal communication work with animals. We are doing something that's far deeper than that. We're choosing to let go of the body language that science or behavior, animal behaviorists have taught us. Now, there's a time and a place to observe animal body language and to know that, you know, hey, they're telling you something and they're being crystal clear with it, and that's great, but there's also a time to go deeper and ask them, hey, why do you do that thing you do? You know, uh, animal, why do you always bark at the door when visitors come in and then you go silent? I, as a human all these years, have kind of assumed you were protecting me, but are you really protecting or is it something different? Some dogs will explain, I'm not really doing protecting, I'm doing alerting behavior. Another dog once told me through, you know, for its owner is, actually, I'm not doing protecting, and I'm not really doing so much alert. I'm actually telling, yelling at the person to stay on the other side of the door, stay there, stay there, stay there, stay in place. And the dog was just sending a message. So their meanings can actually be different than what we've always assumed, and you don't know unless you ask. So at this stage of the game, learning out of communication is also about letting go of assumptions. You've got to toss everything you've been told out. If you let go of it all, you can then receive it all. All right, number two. You want to believe in your own intuitive ability to give and receive telepathic communication. Don't invalidate your perception of impressions, images, or messages in any form. So I know last time we spoke on the phone, I mentioned that I personally believe we're all born with this ability to do this language because our energetic bodies, our spirits, our souls of both animals as well as humans and plants and mountains, etc. it's all designed to receive intuitive impressions. We're wired that way. So what is it we're doing here on the phone call in this training? We're actually just reminding you, Ellen, of what you already know in communicating with the animals. We're just kind of bringing it up more to the surface level. Are you there? That, yes, I am. That, okay. that makes perfect sense to me. Okay, good, good. I hear beeping, and maybe that's just somebody trying to call in for you. I'm sorry, what's oh, going on? I was hearing beeping on the phone, but it seems to have gone away now. Okay. I no think, I'm sorry. I think somebody's trying to call me, and I'm not that technologically advanced. <laughs> okay. No worries. As long as you and I are connected, that's what we want. Okay. <laughs> All right. So when we're doing this work, when we do our practices, and when you do practices outside of the class on your own, it's truly up to you how willing you are to break outside your comfort zone when doing this work. Um, students will often say, you know, I'm starting as a beginner student and I am almost a bit nervous to relay what I think I'm getting from the animals to you, Danielle, so you can give me confirmation and feedback. And my reply is that's par for the course. It's normal mm -hmm. and often common for many students to feel doubtful or a little nervous. Um, I had a student who's taken my four-week phone class actually say, she emailed me after, she's like, I can't believe I got as much right as I did considering I felt terrified. <laughs> she says, I'm an adult. I felt terrified to relay it out loud for you and everybody else on the call to hear. And that is completely normal. You've got to be willing to just step outside your comfort zone and be like, okay, yep, I'm feeling nervous right now or, or I'm feeling doubtful or, and you know what, I'm going to do this work anyway. If you find your emotions of fear or this or that energy really become very huge in standing in front of you, one of the easiest ways to step through that 
We don't want to run away from it. We don't want to force it away and say, oh, you're a bad emotion. Instead of that, we want to step through it is just to take a few deep breaths and say, I get that. I acknowledge that, that emotion, and I'm going to do this anyway. That's mm-hmm. how you handle it. Okay. All right, number three, be ready, receptive, mentally quiet, and alert. If your mind is busy, full of thoughts and background static, you can't listen and receive. To get to this state may take considerable practice and changes in lifestyle. You want to avoid substances and environmental conditions that dull the mind or make it too agitated. Adopt habits that reduce stress and increase calmness, like balanced food, exercise, rest, yoga, meditation, spending quiet time with your animal friends, and out in nature. Number three, Ellen, is basically about the idea of you want to do for you personally whatever brings you balance. Now, having, you know, since you're semi-retired, you probably have started practicing, if not totally immerse yourself in the art of relaxation, (laughs) perhaps because you've got more time than some people who are working full-time, which is wonderful. And if that's the case, I would ask you to take that a step further. Ask yourself throughout the day, This activity that I'm doing right now, am I as relaxed as I can possibly be in doing it? Or is is there a little something that irks me about it or annoys me or I just really don't like this particular task? And if that's the case, see if there's a way you can make it lighter and easier and more relaxing for yourself. Because the animals, domestic and wild ones, relish being in a relaxed state. Now, when I say relaxed, I don't mean that they don't enjoy playing and being alert and hunting and all those other sorts of very active, intense energies and emotional states. They can be that. You can have, a, if you've watched Wild America or any of those animal shows, you can watch the lioness hunting out her prey, and yet as she moves with great intensity and great focus, she's still often mentally quiet. If you were to tap into what her mental state is doing, she's focused, but she's also very aware. And in order to be very aware of every movement or thought that her prey is making or about to make, she needs to be very still inside. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by being relaxed. Okay? Now, there is an advantage to physically relaxing our human bodies in a way that it seems to help us humans then relax our minds. And once our minds are relaxed, we can then relax our energy which naturally opens us up to being in a energetic space to receive communication from the animals. So for us humans, since we're not too always practiced in being mentally aware and mentally still, one of the easiest ways of getting ourselves there is to relax our body, hence why you want to notice throughout the day, how can I relax even more my physical body while doing this task? Does that make sense? Perfectly. Yeah, I'm a long-time yoga practitioner and meditator, so I, oh, I good. can my own experience. Uh-huh. Excellent. Very good. All right, then. Um, the only other thing I'll add for that is you're probably not too much of a TV watcher. I suspect a lot of people uh, who come to me are not. So how much TV yeah. do you watch? Oh, I I watch probably one movie a week with my husband. Yep, that's about me, (laughs) too. Okay, so um, then you're probably already doing this, so I'll just make a side note here. Really choose, be selective, of course, to TV shows, radio shows, movies, etc., that you are choosing. Um, People who are in a different space than you are right now sometimes need that reminder because they forget or, or misunderstand the power in choosing to watch those shows that make you feel good. If a show or a radio station or, you know, people talking on the radio or talking about drama and trauma that upsets you or triggers you in some way, that's because it's triggering something within you that if you have yet to personally look at and clear. It's helpful for students who are kind of not yet on that road of being selective about what they want to expose themselves to stimulation-wise with TV and radio and even everyday tasks, et cetera, um, they, they need to often be reminded, do that which brings you joy. That which brings you joy brings you relaxation, both physically and nine times out of ten mentally as well. All right. So let's go on to the next one, number four. Cultivate flexibility a willingness to learn from all beings and to change your ideas. 
Watch for judgments and preconceptions that limit receptivity to what the animal's really communicating. Be open to surprises, the unexpected. Let go of conventional notions of human-animal communication. Be ready for animals to communicate and question them on any level, from what food they like to what they can teach you to improve your life to what they consider the most profound truth. So for number four, when we relax, animals can teach us so much. Mm-hmm. Anything from spiders to dolphins to the whales to trees and rocks even. If we relax, we can communicate and hear them all. Sometimes people ask, are domestic animals easier to hear than wild animals? And the answer is no. They'll often ask, are physical animals versus those who are deceased easier to communicate with? And again, the answer is no, because it's all the same language. Also, with number four, animal size and intelligence has no correlation. I remember as a student being taught by my science teacher in third grade that beings who had more developed brains like dolphins or who used tools like chimpanzees were far more intelligent than simple-minded creatures like hamsters or those with nerve systems for brains like a lot of your insects. Um, I've personally not found that that's true at all. Ants can hold the most amazing wisdom. If you ask them about community or working together or partnership or even, you know, when it's at the end of their lifespan and it's time for them to leave their body, their feelings around those, the intelligence and wisdom around those topics are huge from ants. Every animal, of course, has, just like every person, has its own level of understanding and level of awareness and level of intelligence. So you could have 10 ants or even 10 horses or 10 dolphins, and you're going to have every different intelligence spectrum level on that scale. You're going to have a dolphin who's very, very wise and like a guru, and you're going to have those that are very simple-minded and then everything in between. And we humans have that for our own species as well. So you never know what they're going to be like or who they are until you actually sit and communicate, which is another reason why you want to go into a communication with all animals, all species, being as innocent as a child, no judgment. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, and I'm glad you brought it out because I can see, I think I might have learned that in biology class too. <laughs> I think it's a pretty common teaching, or at least it used to yeah. be. So, yeah. yeah. All right, so number five. Be emotionally peaceful. Having an emotional investment in what animals say to you or how they should be can influence what you receive. If you require that animals like you or be affectionate before you can communicate with them, this can disturb them, block their true feelings or ideas, or cloud your receptiveness to them. In working with improving your two-way communication with animals, don't flood animals with emotion, whether it's love, fear, sadness, or anger, because... If you are putting out strong emotion, you're generally not receptive to anything else, and you'll only get back your own emotion or the animal's response to it. All right, so this is huge to know. Number five, there is a time and a place for us to love our animals and to feel that gushing of love from our hearts as we, Mm -hmm. you know, offer them lots of love. And then there's times when we want to communicate with them. Communication time is the time to be in a state of inner peace neutrality, emotional ease. Um, Those are all different ways of describing it. You don't want to be in any sort of, I'll use the word, positive or negative emotional state when you're in communication because you can actually get in your own way or you'll, again, as it says here, get the animal's response back to it, which isn't really what you're after in that moment. You're after dialogue, communication. So you don't want to distract your own human self with any sort of emotion. So you don't want to do love or joy or intense happiness or glee. You don't want to do sadness or anger or um, doubt. Okay, those are all emotional states that kind of take you out of your center. Okay, now one might say, well, how can joy take you out of your center? Isn't it just a higher level? And and I actually personally believe that it is. But what I find is when students are first learning this, we want to let go of any distractors that are kind of kind of pull you away from being as aware as you can of receiving the subtle response the animal sending you telepathically. And to do that, mm-hmm. being in a state of peace or neutrality is what I've discovered is one of the easiest states to be in. Okay. 
Um, when working with animals in crisis, you come upon an animal hit by a car, okay, whether it be wild or domestic. Uh, I'm sure you've seen shows like this. People approach in a very calm manner, and some of the ways that they get to interact with that injured animal are quite downright amazing, especially if it's a wild one. That wild animal may allow touch or indirect touch, you know, with a um, one of the car mats in the car or with a shovel or with something that, you know, is a indirect sort of form of touch, whereas somebody who approaches that animal and they are totally mentally upset or distraught, oh, my God, I or somebody else just hit that animal, what do I do? And they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off. Um, that animal, if depending on their how conscious they are at that moment, will pick up the energy and the thoughts of this person who's approaching them in a total state of, you know, disarray. And that can be further upsetting to the animal whose body is potentially already compromised. So we don't want our own nurses and doctors to be running like chickens with their head cut off around us when we go into the emergency room. We instead appreciate when they are calm and relaxed because that helps us to feel confident in them. And often we're more willing to allow them to manipulate our injured bodies when we are in a, when they're putting off a state of ease and comfort and relaxation. So it's kind of like we, when we're in communication with the animals, Ellen, we need to be the leaders in being calm and relaxed. And there are times sometimes our animals can't be that along with us in that moment. You take your pet to the vet and it's freaking out. It's scared. And no matter how many times you tell it it's going to the vet and everything will be okay, it's still scared. So we need to be the leader for them and be like, okay, you can be scared, and I'm going to allow you to be that because that's what you're going through. You could be this other way. You could discuss, you know, other positive, you know, behaviors or ways they could be if they wanted to choose that. But either way, you can be calmness for them when they can't be it for themselves. So being in a relaxed, peaceful mind frame actually aids you, the person, in relaxing your body, which relaxes your mind, which opens you up naturally to receiving communication from the animals. And that right there, Ellen, addresses what you had mentioned when we first talked on the phone where you had expressed that there's been times in the past where you've randomly received intuitive information and you want to more purposefully now do it with the animals when especially you decide you want to enter and engage in communication. And that is the, the key right there, to make it go from random to more purposeful, relax mm -hmm. your body, re relax your mind, relax your energy, and you open. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Awesome. Number six, mm -hmm. be alert and calm. Don't force the communication or try too hard. Notice your body posture and tension, leaning forward over the animal, straining your forehead or facial muscles, breathing shallowly, tightening your hands, manipulating or controlling the animal. Instead, you want to shift into receptive mode. Lean back, open your chest and hands, breathe slowly, deeply, relax, and listen. So the point of number six is basically about inviting you to put your physical body in a position that makes it easy for you to relax. And for that, that's going to be different for everybody. Penelope was told by the whales long ago that if she had her students taking a class, start out by resting their feet upon the ground when sitting in their chairs versus crossing their legs, they would find that reminding themselves of their own connection to the earth made it easier for them to communicate with the animals. I've had a lot of my students find that so, too. I remember as a student, I did that initially, and then I kept forgetting because I'm a natural Indian leg crosser um, of my own legs. It's just how my body uh, finds ease when sitting in a chair. And I was chiding myself at the beginning, be like, oh, that's not what she taught us. I can't communicate as easily. And what I discovered was I was actually communicating with total ease, regardless of what my legs were in. So do what feels good for you. What you don't want to do, though, is to lean forward, which kind of throws your energy forward instead of being centered for a lot of people and often throws that energy upon animals in a way that makes some of them uncomfortable. Very shy or skittish animals will find that body posture sometimes intimidating, but if you sit in a chair with your eyes open or closed and telepathically work with them, and I'm referring to, of course, those shy or skittish animals you're with in person, if you just relax your body posture and relax your body and your mind and your energy opens, they sense that within you, your own relaxation, which generally puts them at ease. I've had people who I've done in-person sessions with at their house tell me before I come, my dog's probably going to hide in the other room while you're here because she is terrified of guests. I think she was abused in the past or whatever the case may be. What I do and what I would invite you to do if you ever enter such a scenario, 
talk to the animal before you even enter the house. I would park my car mm-hmm. five minutes in fr- before I would go into the home, and I would get calm and relaxed, and I'd tune into that animal and be like, hey, animal, when I come into your home, I am not going to impose my body upon you in any way. I'm not going to reach out and pet you. I'm not going to do major eye contact. I'll acknowledge you if you want to be acknowledged. Other than that, I'm just going to, I'm acknowledging you now, and I'm going to sit on the couch wherever your person invites me to sit, and I'm going to do this work with you if you're willing to work with us. And the animals really are. It's like, it's a rarity that an animal declines any sort of communication. I think that's happened maybe once or twice uh, that I can think of since I started doing this work in 06. But what I've discovered is people will say after the session, I can't believe my animal stayed in the same room with us during the call, or during, excuse me, during mm-hmm. your um, your in-person session. And I even had one dog come up to me and ask for petting, which at that point I had told the animal beforehand, if you choose to want to be petted, make it real obvious to me with your body language, and then and only then will I reach out and touch you. But other than that, I will come, do the session, and even go without imposing myself upon you. It makes animals relax and change. It's pretty cool. Uh Uh Number seven. Let communication assume its own form, whether it's feelings, images, impressions, thoughts, verbal messages, sounds, other sensations, or simply knowing. Get familiar with how you receive so you recognize it and let it and other avenues open up. Let the sense of meaning unfold by itself. Don't analyze, evaluate, or criticize. Remain innocent and nonjudgmental. Accept what you get and and acknowledge the communication. If in doubt, relax and ask again, but don't keep doubting and refusing to accept the communication impression or you build your own walls. Be willing to take risks. Don't be afraid to acknowledge whatever communication you get. Don't worry about what other people will think or even what you will think. So for number seven, this is where people's egos often kick in. When they're doing a communication session with an animal, they'll sometimes ask the animal a question, receive a certain reply, and then go into judgment of what the reply was or judgment of themselves. They sometimes will go to the, oh, well, I asked this really complex question and the animal gave me a couple-word answer. Is, is that really all their answer was? We start questioning ourselves. And instead mm-hmm. of going down that road, I would instead invite you down the path of being like that young child before judgment set in when you were, you know, five, six years old perhaps, and you would ask a question, somebody would give you an answer, and you just kind of think to yourself, no matter how simple or fancy the answer was, how short or long it was, oh, that's their answer. And mm-hmm. if you had a follow-up question, because you're a curious child, you would then ask this follow-up question. Otherwise, we pretty much as children accepted what we were told. Um, and I know we're all different in that category, but that's what I'm, I would invite you to do. That way it keeps you out of judgment of hearing a reply. Right. Okay. When doing this work again and again and again, both with me as well as with the practice assignments that you have access to, as well as you know your own practice that you may wish to do for yourself, and I encourage you to do for yourself, in addition to reading any animal communication books, you know, so that you stay immersed in this work. We really want to encourage you um, to do this work on a you know a little bit every day level, if that's something that you can fit into your schedule or every other day, um, because really the more you practice this work, Ellen, the more it repatterns you the more you bring it into your daily life and the more your energy field, your reality adjusts to allowing that to be just another normal thing versus a new learning. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, yes. Good. And I love how you're bringing us all out to consciousness. Oh, say that said a little louder. Oh, I said I love how you're bringing all this out into consciousness. Well, this path is very much a spiritual path. It's not just talking about uh, what food do you like to eat and all that. Animals are spiritual (laughs) beings, and they remind us of our own spiritual connection to ourselves. So (laughs) it's par for the course as well. (laughs) All right, number eight. You want to practice with a wide variety of animals in various situations. Step back from your normal routine and expectations and be willing to learn and discover. And, of course, have fun. All right, any questions or things that are coming up for you, Ellen? I have a question. Do you find it's as easy to communicate with an animal no longer in its body as it is somebody in the room in front of you? Yes. 
Yep, okay. because it's an energetic language, and truly the energy doesn't have to be contained within a physical body to be transmitted. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't depend on location or proximity of closeness versus farther away. Um, in oneness, everything exists truly simultaneously. There really is no time on the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. That's just a, a human concept and how we kind of understand our world. Time is important to us, but it's not to the other side. So, no. Now, there are there, there, there is the occasional student who will say, I can only communicate with animals who are in the physical and not in the spiritual because I just find those in the spiritual I can't connect with. And what I tell them is, okay, if that's what you're finding is ease versus difficult for you, that's because there's something within you in your own belief system that you have going on that is making that be the reality for you. Are, are you familiar with the idea, Ellen, that our thoughts create our reality? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll add to that our beliefs create a reality as well. If you choose to believe that every being is energetically, a energetic being is a soul, is a spirit, you know, regardless of whether that spirit is connected to a body in this moment or is disconnected from a body and is just soul, is just spirit, is just energy in that moment, then you'll actually be able to find ease whether the animal's incarnated or not. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've just, I've had powerful experiences with no longer incarnated animals and it's been well okay. it's what it's what led me here <laughs> okay okay and you know what that's that was just right and just what you needed for you to be where you stand today so yeah. um you know embrace all that every being of course has their own unique journey and so what we gravitate towards what we find is our niche in life or even niche among the intuition field because you know intuition involves not just animal communication but people speaking to spirit guides and angels Mm -hmm. and ascended masters and doing psychic work police detective work stuff like that i mean we all have our niches so you're just attracting experiences to you that are just right for your personal journey in life and your own growth and consciousness so I have one more question. Okay. Um, I've pretty much uh, surrendered to it, but I still do have a, there's a shadow of struggle. I would love to be a vegetarian, and I won't stay in my body, I think, if I am one. Okay. And I really apologize to the animal world that I eat them. Um, Anything, any suggestions you might make for me about? Yeah. Talk to the predators and talk to the prey and ask them about their, and this is something, you know, as you practice, you'll be able to do more easily. But as you talk to the predators and prey, you will discover that predators love their prey and prey love their predators. And they have this bigger awareness, okay, beyond the struggle of, you know, fighting for, you know, to survive that is, much more broader and just bigger understanding that it's not just about the physical body only and the physical body's needs to eat this or that or to avoid eating this or that. Um, you know, I've, I've talked, I once talked to a bird and the bird had gotten killed by a cat and the, the, the house cat loved the thrill of the chase and brought forth a lot of joy within its body, which the bird picked up. The bird in its physical body was terrified and scared in the moments that it was being chased. However, once it was completely transitioned over to the other side, it was like, oh, well, that was an interesting experience, and it had no judgment. It Uh had no judgment Uh of the cat killed me and that was wrong or bad. Nor did it have judgment of the fact that the cat killed it and didn't even eat it. Fascinating. It was simply an experience. Exactly. Just an experience. And that bird knows full well that it can reincarnate into a new bird body or another form if it chooses any time it wants. We do this dance. Life is like a carousel. We do this dance with one another, with different beings. We learn from each other. We, We maim, we hurt emotionally and physically one another. And then we pick each other up in the next round. So it's very much about growth and experience and dancing with one another. Beautiful. Thank you, Danielle. Thank You're that welcome. really the dance is far really less helps. serious than we've thought that it really is. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I personally was a, a vegetarian for three years back in my undergrad college years and then I discovered that it really wasn't 
kind or honoring of my personal body type to be a vegetarian any longer. I too did it for the animals um, as well as for health reasons. Um, and I've discovered I eat meat on a basically a little bit on every other day basis, sometimes even every day, and I find that it really honors my body. I always give gratitude and thanks to the beings that I do consume, Mm -hmm. whether it be animal flesh or even the flesh of plants, because the plants have consciousness too. They're just not as mobile or as, you know, maybe as in hmm, bigger communication as the animals are, um, Mm -hmm. but they have consciousness Mm -hmm. too. It's funny how we say, oh, animals are more important than the plants. Oh, is that really true, or is that just a belief we've been bought, brought up in society to believe? Well, I think we'd have a big problem without the plants. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yep. All right. So now we're going to do our exercise with Lyra, who is sitting here in my lap. It's funny. As soon as I got onto the call, well, two minutes beforehand, she was already here on the table with me. She just knew we were going to work with her, so she's set to go. So we're going to do an exercise where – I have you practice sensing your own energy and then Lyra's energy. This exercise we're doing is not going to be an outright communication session with her where you hear her, although honestly if it evolves into that, by all means let it go, you know, let it evolve. But I really want you to practice sensing energy because telepathy is an energetic language. Receiving and hearing thoughts from other beings is sensing the energy of those thoughts. Thoughts are subtle. They're not as solid as a laptop computer or your own physical body, but they do have substance to them, which is why we're able to perceive them. So my senses is going to be pretty simple for you, but I want you to close your eyes, take a deep breath, and I want you to sense your own inner aliveness, your soul, your spirit, and tell me when you feel that. Okay. Okay. Now, I want you to make the shift in your focus from instead of focusing on your energy, I want you to focus on Lyra the black cat's energy. Within myself or by jumping out? Um, Either, actually, is doable. So whichever one feels more like the right path in this moment, do that. Okay. Okay. Now I want you to go back to yourself and feel your energy again, and then when you feel it's time, switch back to her energy. And I then, when when you've gotten a sense of what you feel like compared to what she feels like, I want you to share with me a difference that you sense. She's a lot more. Uh, she has a lot not, more. What was that word? She's not tense in an anxious way, but she's a, a lot more uh, compacted, intense energy than I am. Okay. okay. And her, there's a lot of energy around her nose and under the nose or beside the okay. nose. Okay, good. Now I want you to do the same activity. Sense your, your own energy, her energy. Hold on one second. Thank you. I got it. I got the message. I got it. And sense yourself, sense her, and then I want you to tell me about a similarity of something that's similar between the two of you. We're both very alert and have a lot of awareness of life force. Very good. Excellent. Because you were able to tell me about it, both a difference and a similarity, that allows me to know that you're able to sense energy. And honestly, if you can sense energy, you can do animal communication. <laughs> That's all there is to it. So let's go ahead and further this exercise. I want you to bring your awareness just to sensing Lyra's energy and to know that within Lyra's energy field is all the information about Lyra, everything about her physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Information on a being 
or even a situation or nature or a tree, etc., can be found within the energy field of that particular being. So we can access info on her there without going the further step of being in dialogue with her. Now, she's very aware that you're sensing her energy. She's there observing you doing this exercise. But let's go ahead and practice the art of gathering information simply by sensing her energy. So within her energy field, I want you to see what information lies there regarding favorite places she likes to lie down or rest. And state it out loud as you sense whatever intuitive impressions come to your awareness. I got a sense of fun, of heat. Okay, good. So I'm going to just jot a note, okay? Heat. Now see what else is there. Same, same act activity where she likes to lay down and rest. Soft. Oh, say it louder. You're really low. Soft. Soft. Okay, good. And see what else is there. One more. She likes to be able to see. Where, wherever it is, it's not a cave. It's not a hole. Good. This place that she likes to see from, get a sense of the elevation. Is it on the ground or higher up? Oh, three, four feet. Say that again. I'm sorry, Ellen. It's hard to hear you. Sorry, three or four feet. Okay, good. Now, I want you to feel, imagine that you're there with her at that three to four feet height. Feel what it feels like to be held by whatever she's upon, sitting upon, or laying upon. Okay. It's What's deeply, it feel like? Deeply supported. She's really in touch with it. She's aware that it's holding her. Good. Good. And how does she feel emotionally as she sits in this place? I want to say supported, but it's not the right word. Um, like really in touch with how it is holding her as much as how she's in contact with it. Okay, good. So is she connected to it? Connected, that's the word. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can feel it along with you. <laughs> so good. Very good. All right. So I will tell you, yes, this cat is very much drawn to heat. I often find her laying in sunbeams around the house. Okay. As far as soft location, certainly. She has a elevated, which is three to four feet off the ground, little cat tree that is in front of one of the windows Okay, here in the house. She does indeed like to see. She's definitely an observer by nature, loves to see what's going on. Okay, um, she is just in general very connected to her surroundings, okay, to environment, just like the example you received about her being three to four feet and held by the support object. Oh, this is cool. I saw the window too, but I didn't say it for some reason. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's just further confirmation for you that you're picking up her, her small cat tree. Okay, so good. Awesome. All right, now, within her energy field, I want you to describe to me Lyra's personality. She's a queen. <laughs> good. <laughs> what else is there? Alert, observant, movement. She sees movement. She, she's not so interested in, she wouldn't see trees and sidewalks. She would see moving leaves. She'd see the motion. Okay, good. So, yeah, she is very intrigued by movement. Okay, definitely. Okay, observant and alert totally makes sense. Queen is your keyword. A plus. <laughs> okay. So many of my students get queen, regal like, queenly, queen bee. 
Okay, these these are words that often come through. Yes, this is correct. Now, from that personality aspect of her, of the queenliness, see if you can determine via feeling the energy, is it a queenliness that's like haughty or snobby, or is it oh, something no. different? Oh, no, it's a true queen, not 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 a false, arrogant queen. It, it's, it's a true queen. She's in harmony yes. with the world she lives in. Very and good. She moves through it with grace and not human love, but the love or compassion that comes from oneness. Okay, good. You got it. You got her. Good. All right, so within the energy field, I want you now to get a sense of how she feels about herself. I guess I got the words, I'm fine. <laughs> Why would you ask? <laughs> um, Good. Now um, I want you to feel it. So you got the words, and that is the way that intuitive information comes through, and that's awesome. And I want you to feel it, too. So you heard the words. Now go back into the feeling and describe to me how it feels. It feels good. It feels integrated. There's a happiness to it. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Does she love herself? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And notice the big expansiveness of that sort of self-love. Very different but, than the shallow version, isn't it? Yeah, I was about to say, but it's not a like, I'm into myself, I love myself, human trait. It's, right. It's love. it's love for what is that we call yes. her. Yes, yes, and you're right. You're right. Good. So within her energy field, I want you to sense what are some of her favorite toys? She likes things that move. Good. And what else is there? I'm blocking myself. I've decided I can't know this one. Okay. So I want you to, when you're blocking yourself, I want you to take a deep breath. Get out of your head. Drop down to your heart. Relax your body, which relaxes your mind, which opens you naturally. Go back to feeling her energy. And ask the energy of Lyra to show you or tell you in words about favorite toys. Okay. I think somebody drags something or shines something across the floor. Okay, both are accurate. Yep. We um I have a fishing pole toy, okay? And so she loves mm-hmm. the feathers that either dangle in the air above her or yes, indeed get dragged along the ground for her to paw at. And then I have a laser light which shines upon the ground for her to play with. Okay, this is good for me because I saw laser light and I originally saw feathers, but I decided I couldn't possibly be right. Okay. So that right there is common, okay? People will be like, oh, if I had mentioned that. (laughs) So what Uh makes you not, I'm going to ask you, you tell me, what made you not choose to share that? Oh, well, there's the deep childhood. And somehow in me, and I think a lot of us, I think it's also the deep female witch hunt energy. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Like prote- protection. Like it, it, it was dangerous. It's dangerous for me to know that. Okay. So here's what I want you to do right now, Ellen. Put your hand on your heart, and mm-hmm. I want you to feel those emotions of it's dangerous for me to say that because of, you know, being called out on, you know, winch hunt uh, related. So put your hand on your heart. I want you to bring up those emotions. Once you've got them kind of stirring around you, and I want you to just be neutral to the emotions. Don't make them go away. Don't tell them they have to, you know, get going. Don't re- don't resist them. Just 
say once they're there, prevalent around you, I love you. And you're saying I love you to yourself. I love me. Despite these emotions, despite what I may have experienced in this or another lifetime, I still love me. Say that either to yourself or out loud as many times as you need to until you sense the energy of those emotions start to lighten or shift. Okay. Tell me when that happens. It lightens. Mm -hmm. Good. This is another way of handling, Ellen, those times when you are triggered by something in life, you know, old stuff, present stuff, or, you know, worries about the future. Put your hand on your heart and say, I, despite all this, and bring up those emotions. Let them be there because you're acknowledging them. You're not refusing them. They're just a part of you that just hasn't truly integrated yet. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And they want to integrate because you know what? In oneness, everything, including those uncomfortable emotions, is loved. The moment mm-hmm. you love them too and you love yourself despite of them, despite them being there, is when you kind of set yourself free from them. Does that make sense? Got it. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Practice that, too, before our next call. (laughs) I love that. I do it myself all the time. There's a gentleman named Matt Kahn, K-A-H-N, on YouTube.com, who has amazing videos, and uh, I learned that technique from him, and it is huge. Okay. All right. So let's go back to Lyra. I want to do a couple more before we end. So within the space of sensing your energy, give me the, uh, the intuitive impression that you receive on how she feels about Tyler, the tan chihuahua that she lives with. Oh, he can be a little annoying. Okay, now who? She is Lyra can be annoying or he can be annoying? No, no he's a, the chihuahua. Okay, so let's take that a step further. Okay, feel the energy of what you just got. He can be a little annoying, and I want you to dig a little deeper now. Give me an example within the energy of how or when she finds him a bit annoying. It's a feeling of how he'll come up to her, he'll approach, he'll get in her field or her space, and he doesn't back out or leave her. Okay, good. Good. So what she's describing to you is Tyler is a sweet little dog, and he's very good with her, and he kind of interacts with her in the way he interacts with another friendly dog that he likes. He'll get into her Mm -hmm. bubble, into her space, and the fact that she is a cat and she truly identifies with being a cat, she doesn't find that very ease-filled for herself. It's a little bit like, Mm -hmm. hey, you're in my zone. And yeah. it's funny, if you were here physically watching her, you'd see her sitting down, minding her own business, Tyler gets within her bubble, and she'll literally take her head in her face and put it and pull it back like, oh, you're, you're <laughs> like in my face, but she won't move the rest of her body. And then she'll relax the moment he exits her bubble, which for her, her personal bubble is maybe about eight inches around her body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Very affirming. Thank you. I saw that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, and one last one. So go ahead now and sense her feeling of her relationship with me. Oh, she really, she loves to go into your energy, your bubble. Yes, she does. There's also a sense that There's more of a sense that she's in, shall we say, service to you. Certainly you are to her, but it's stronger from her to you. Yes, it is, which is one of the reasons why she incarnated to be with me. She has Mm -hmm. an immense teaching that she needed to teach me, especially when she first came to me, first arrived. So that totally Mm -hmm. resonates for me. Good. Very good. All right. So go ahead and, since she is aware of us doing this exercise with her within her energy field, let's both thank her for her contribution. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Do you have any questions regarding today, Ellen? 
This has been so profound and illuminating, Danielle. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have questions. I just wanted to say that and share that. It's been so profound. It exceeded what I hoped for. Oh, very good. So you. what you going to do throughout the week until we talk again next Friday, jump on board if you can, if you have time to do those optional uh, online exercises, okay, week one. I would also encourage you, and this isn't written on there, which is why I'm telling you now out loud, if you like the exercise of sensing your energy and sensing another being's exercise, you can do that with your own pets, living or past, okay? Okay. Um, Just to, again, practice the how similar do we feel? How different do we feel? Can I sense energy within their field? Now, people always say, but I know my animal really well, so what kind of questions I should ask? Well, you could do the very simple question of within my pet's energy field, what has my pet been wanting me to know all these years that I've never quite consciously grasped? Ah, okay. And trust Mm -hmm. whatever you perceive. Thank you. All right, very good. So we are set. Ellen, I will send you a link to the recording within 24 hours or less, so just check your email for that in case you want to rehear it anytime soon. I would encourage you to uh, download the recording so that you've always got it, you know, on your saved on your own hard drive. Um, okay. Okay? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. You have a wonderful day. You too, Danielle. Be well. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.